Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Thank you, Stephen. Hey, welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That's because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success stories because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals. But it's up to your planning and your committed effort to achieve those goals. My next guest is Andrea is it Andrea or Andrea? Andrea. Andrea L. Collins. Andrea has over 15 years of experience in the investment management industry. She began her career at Morgan Stanley Wealth Management, where she specialized in portfolio management for high net worth individual investors and foundation. She is active in the community, an avid supporter of the arts, and frequently teaches financial literacy workshops for schools and organizations, and is a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta. I bow down. I bow down. I'm a proud member of Omega Sci-Fi. I bow down. (laughs) Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Andrea L. Collins. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you you for having me. You know, know, because Kamala Kamala Harris can become the Mm -hmm. VP elect, you know, you know, AKA is getting all that love out there because of Kamala. They are, they are. You know, it's Greek love though. It's all love. There you go. Anybody who wants to recognize, you know, and and as they say, be black. That's what being that's what being a, a fraternity member is is, is really uh, sowing the um, the roots of uh, of where you come from and uplifting. It sure is. And so, how important was it? You know, I know it's in your resume, and I, I we tease a little bit. I know importance yeah. of what Omega Sci-Fi did for my career. I, I, I played while I was in college, and I always tell people it altered my whole thought process as far as goal setting because I was just yeah. wandering around in college and was confused. And then I yeah. pledged and it gave me my first goal that I accomplished in life outside of graduating. How did it affect your life? Delta Sigma Theta. You know, it had a huge impact on my life. And um, even prior to me pledging in college, because I, you know, pledged at Berkeley Kappa chapter. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I think back to even my childhood mm-hmm. growing up, the women that I watched in church, mm-hmm. you know, were members of uh, Delta Sigma Theta. You know, some of them were AKAs. And so just watching these women and how progressive they were, how mm-hmm. involved in their in they were in our community, mm-hmm. how uh, professional they were and, you know, the achievements that they were able to make and the strides that they constantly made, not only personally, but professionally. And then they had that outward exhibition of those successes. Right. And not only successes, but struggles and, you know, feats and obstacles that they encountered Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. I think just the main impact that it had on me growing up, because it wasn't like I came from a family, you know what I mean? Or a legacy uh, within my family uh, that were a part of sororities and fraternities. But like I said, the woman that I was able to uh, watch growing up, whether it was in church or mentors, organizations Mm -hmm. that I was involved in Mm -hmm. and did a lot of volunteer work, that example was sort of set before I got to college. And then when I got on the campus, of course, you know, it was just like Mm -hmm. loud and clear because at that point, you're (laughs) able to be a part of it. And you know what I mean? And you you meet Mm like-minded people, men and women or young adults Mm -hmm. that have the same goals in mind that basically are cut from the same 
cloth when it comes to like values, their goals, you know, who they are to their core and mm -hmm. what their intentions and desires are, you know, for their families and the community at large. So mm -hmm. yeah, very impactful. Uh, love my sorority sisters to death, you know. <laughs> awesome. and, you know, because I, I I graduated from University of Houston, which is a predominantly black, white campus, you know, 35,000. Yes. And it's really funny because, you know, if you go, you went to a school like me where there's a dominant white attendees. Exactly. And so, exactly. you know, you had that little core blacks, you know, mm -hmm. they look like mm -hmm. a lot of them till you really say, you know, I think it was like uh, maybe 2,500 black students it, on campus right, at the time, right, but it felt right. like it was 10,000 of us. It How did. was that experience for you? <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, uh, while we were there and the Alphas had, they had a campaign or a represent campaign mm -hmm. that still stands out in my mind, even though it was so many years ago. And I still have the T-shirt to prove it. But we would walk around <laughs> proudly because, and because, I mean, our statistic then was less than 2.3% of mm -hmm. the population. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, it felt like so many of us because mm -hmm. we're just a dynamic force right, when we congregate right. and come together. Mm -hmm. It can be two, five, you know, where two or more are gathered. It's mm -hmm. really that philosophy, mm -hmm. I think, in our community. And we're so dynamic and strong and, you know, impactful when we do come together collectively that sometimes the force feels way greater than what we actually are representing in numbers. And I mm -hmm. think that like that's the beauty, you know, of our community and what it's comprised of, the ability that we have to have so much of an impact, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And create this dynamic force, even mm -hmm. with so many, so few of us, you know, Absolutely. representing in this particular space. Yeah, I knew you would relate to that with that whole idea yeah. of us, you know, yeah. it seemed like it was so many of us. And then you realize when you looked at the number, there's not many of us at all. There's such not a dynamic that many, yeah, you know, really when I look good. back at the pictures, like it, it, it felt like there were so many, like you said, <laughs> so many of us, but nevertheless, the impact was just as great. There you go. We were able to carry out go. the mission. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to be honest with you, Kappa chapter is the 10th chapter mm -hmm. out of uh, our sorority to be founded. Mm -hmm. In 1921, when I think about it, Black mm -hmm. women were on the campus of UC Berkeley, wow. it, not just going to school, but formulating the chapter and mm -hmm. in sororities in the early 1900s at an institution like that. So there's a lot of pride and in, in heritage that come along with it. Awesome. Well, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I, I say, yeah. you know, we thought it was all going to be short term. And and then we talk about a high unemployment rate. We talk about we need a new mm -hmm. stimulus check. And then uh, Black Friday comes around and uh, it's nine billion dollars in the online mm -hmm. sales uh, yeah. with Black Friday. There was 52 percent right. drop in in-store traffic. We all knew the, why that was going to happen because pandemic and mm -hmm. people start offering sales prior to the Black Friday date. And been, right. but the most significant thing of that was the was that 3.6 billion of that was tied to the smartphone. And so mm -hmm. when I when I look at everybody's talking about. You know, we we have a down economy. The stock market crossed over thirty thousand. All these right. numbers. Where's this money coming from, Miss Collins? Well, you know, to be honest with you, <laughs> I think that <laughs> it's a huge disparity. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And even in the information that we're given, because mm -hmm. to be honest with you, in March, if we look at the statistic, when we first entered into the pandemic. African-Americans or Blacks only uh, participated or owned at least about 1.6% of the corporate stocks in mutual funds mm -hmm. that were held on the market, while whites held 91% or 92% mm -hmm. of that value, mm -hmm. which means that as a Black community, we weren't able to capitalize on that some 45% semi-gain of the S&P since March. 
You know, so that is a huge, I think, component for us to pay attention to, mm-hmm. even when it comes to ownership, wealth, the wealth gap that is also pervasive, you know, and that over mm-hmm. time, even with income and education, inequality decreasing, the wealth gap is perpetually rising amongst whites and blacks. And that's just really sad because of the fact that so basically you're saying, Rashad, look, there are people out there, the people who got money didn't really. Yes. They always going to keep money or they have exactly. money. And that's why you see the, the basically uh, a rise in Black Friday and then Cyber Monday. They're expecting to yeah. do 10 billion to 12 billion dollars right. in online sales. We know that Cyber Monday is online, at least yes. on Black Friday. That was today, by the way. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and so and so which is really important for people to understand that. But I look at African-Americans, the technology game, you know, that's why I mentioned the fact that 3.6 billion of that was smartphones. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have we yet as a community started to understand the value of what that smartphone really is besides taking pictures and texting and talking on it? Right. I think that as a community, we are we have the understanding of what the benefits and what we're how we we could capitalize on that market but it's not all it's not about having the wealth or the knowledge Mm -hmm. that i mean we always have that we throw around the quote knowledge is power but Mm -hmm. i really believe knowledge is power but it's not empowerment you Mm -hmm. know what i mean you can read all the books and read all the articles but if you're not empowered to be able to take on or or to be able to take the opportunity within what's going on in a cycle, Mm -hmm. then it really is not going to have any sort of long term, sustainable, durable effect within our community. It's not going to be widespread. So we may understand on the surface what the impact of this technology Mm -hmm. sector is having on our lives and our society right now. But are we able to participate and partake in the benefits of that opportunity right now? And for me, or my understanding of that, it's 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 deeper than what's on the surface. You know, it's rooted in so many different uh, disparities, you know, that are systemic, Mm -hmm. that blacks long-term or for really our existence within this country have not been able to partake in or at an equitable level that prevents us from being able to capitalize on certain opportunities in certain market cycles. Well, you know, I always always bring that up because, you know, whenever I do an interview, you know, people are always talking about budgets. You know, we we enter in the fourth quarter. We are in the fourth quarter, about to close out this year. Any advice, you know, would, you know, I doubt very serious if they pass a new stimulus package and if don't pass a new stimulus package. You know, you have what you have. We have the CDC saying you can delay the payment of the rent. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. That delayed payment is due in January. Exactly. You know, the holiday tax that Donald Trump was was trumpeting, you know, that bill is going to be due by April 2021. So you mm-hmm. have all these delays. But right. how can we overcome that? Or how we don't just wind up filing bankruptcy, which is an unheard of word used mm-hmm. in the black community. How do we get over that financial hump without help? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I really think that help is something that is a dire need within our community, Mm -hmm. you know, not just in our community, in our society, period. And we know that any sort of problem does not become a national crisis until everyone is affected. (laughs) You know, these same struggles, the struggles that our nation is experiencing right now, blacks have been experiencing this 
you know, for decades. Right. So now that it's become a national problem, of course, there's national help and national attention. And to some degree, we will be the benefactors of that. But it just it, it to me, it just reiterates the importance of always having a plan and being mindful of what your strategy is and, right. and positioning yourself to be able to take, uh, you know, advantage of opportunities because every market moves in cycles. The, the housing market moves in cycles. Education moves in cycles. Cycles. The stock market moves in cycles and what goes up all eventually comes down. You know, that we, no one has a crystal ball of when that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But for instance, when the markets were at all time lows in March, how many of us were able to were prepared to be able to actually take advantage of those opportunities, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to buy things at such a low or discounted rate so, so that it sets you up to have more of a sustainable future things that resources that, that you're able to tap into in circumstances like this. So, yes, I, I definitely think that um, we're at a point now where so many people do need aid and assistance mm -hmm. that there, there really is no way around that. Absolutely. And uh, I'm talking to Andrea Collins. She has over 15 years of experience in the investment management industry. She began her career in Morgan Stanley Wealth Management. Um, you know, stock, that's I've, I've been dabbling in stock. You know, I, uh -huh. when I first started, you know, they say, you know, buy the stock that you shop at. You know, if, I, if you uh -huh. go to Home Depot a lot, buy your stock at Home Depot. You go, right. you know, if you if you buy Apple computer, buy your stock in Apple or Dell, you buy your stock in Dell. It, are there some common sense um, uh, rules that once you do when it comes to being a novice or entering into stock game because of just playing on your experience because of the fact that that's what you do? Right. Right. I would say for anyone that's just starting out or a novice investor, the main thing that you need to uh -huh. make sure that you pay attention to or incorporate into any sort of investment plan. And many of us have heard this word before is diversification. There is no there. There's no foolproof method to investing. Of course, the riskier your investments are, mm -hmm. the more you put yourself at um, you, you put yourself in an opportunity for high gains, but mm -hmm. also very, very low lows. And so having diversification or um, a mixed basket basket of assets basically hedges you against those risks and really prevents you from losing everything that you've invested in one fell swoop. Right. So when I say diversification, I mean types of assets that you own, you know, so whether it's real estate, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, CDs or money markets or any other sorts of cash equivalents, mm -hmm. which right now with interest rates being at an all time low, you know, high yield investor checking accounts or CDs, money markets are really not paying that much. <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> Come on, not, you're being really polite, Andrea. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and that's why the black community or the community of color used to stash their money in some type exactly. of savings account. Exactly. So there are, you know, there are alter cash equivalents or alternatives in mm -hmm. an environment like mm -hmm. this, you know, so uh, utilize tapping into your resources. Of course, there's a boatload of information that's on the internet that's readily at our fingertips, but you don't know what you don't know. 
you know, so mm-hmm. the knowledge out there is endless. But like I said, if you don't know what you don't know, you don't even know what questions to ask. You don't know where to begin. But that's the importance of professionals like myself in our space. I feel like we have a duty to disseminate mm-hmm. that information amongst our communities to make sure that our, our community is knowledgeable and abreast of what their options are and mm-hmm. what resources are available. So, yeah, diversification is the main thing, making sure you're not heavily uh, allocated in one area over the other so that when you do experience the ups or downs in either sector or asset class, it's able to sort of balance out. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, how the, you know, like, you know, you hear all these dire statements about the economy this year. You know, first we were locked down for two months and then there was complaints that the $600 CARE Act check was really paying people more than what they had made in their daily income, which is absolutely huh. true. I want to add to that. That is true. My daughter, you know, she made like $1,500 of subway and she could have applied for the $600 CARES week and walked over $10,200. That was the total right. amount of payment. Right. So I agree that that system was broken, but it was... It was processed in a in a rushed moment and America needed it because we shut down in a rush right. time and a dire time. But what always wonders to me, and you kind of said it earlier about, you know, we were setting records. I mean, I think month of July, you know, the stock market set a record. It, mm-hmm. How could that be when you have millions of people being unemployed and then you have people filing for unemployment and then the stock market is just dancing up and down like it's everything's cool? Right. Well, I think, you know, we have to really realize that um, a huge part of what's portrayed even in the median wealth within our country, our economy and mean wealth, meaning the average Mm -hmm. wealth, you know, of the black investor or black American is about one hundred and forty two thousand, whereas the mean wealth of the average white American is nine hundred and eighty three thousand. So. The huge disparity shows the opportunity and who has the opportunity to partake in those type of uh, events or cycles. The money is there there while there is. a, I mean, and we even saw this, how split the the country is during this past election election Mm -hmm. cycle. 80 million, you know, 73 million. There, there's a huge part of our country that is suffering. And then mm-hmm. there's a huge part of our com- country that has been had the ability or the the, the capability to work from home without mm-hmm. a disruption in income. Mm-hmm. You know, work from home and they still have access to the Internet. Mm-hmm. Work from home and they're still able to contribute to the 401ks. Fidelity mm-hmm. put out a report recently that, that so many of their 401k plans or investors that they actually are the administrator for have not only crossed the million dollar mark for the first time in U.S. history, hundreds of thousands of 401k uh, investors or plan holders that Fidelity serves as the administrator for, uh, they've actually crossed that million dollar mark. And you ask the question, like, how is that possible (laughs) in a country that's so divided where so many people are depending on government assistance, Mm -hmm. you know, not only for their next meal, but for housing, for utilities and but yet most people even though they have the capability to tap into their 401k without a penalty this year have not taken any loans or distributions Mm -hmm. or those that have has been very substantially low Mm -hmm. or not exceeded what they actually really really need Mm -hmm. so again to me that just shows a huge economic disparity Mm -hmm. within our within our country and even amongst the middle class wow now a term i always get confused about Financial literacy. When I uh-huh. hear that, 
What is financial literacy? And I know you're involved in financial literacy. Yeah. And how can a listener educate themselves on being financial, financially literate? Well, you know, I think that when it comes to financial literacy, and yes, you're right, I have taught many, many courses for organizations, mm-hmm. for, for elementary schools, um, even for high school students. And it never fails with each class. I have more than one student telling me, how come no one ever taught me this before? How come I didn't know this? Or where, where can I find out more about this? And then you have the few in the class that they're like, oh yeah, I have a stock portfolio or <laughs> I know about this. And it, it really has nothing to do with race. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say one or the over the other, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But some children are exposed, but for the most part, a lot of them are not exposed Mm -hmm. to just the basics of financial literacy. Mm -hmm. How does a bank account operate? You know, how do you pay bills? How do you, what's a mortgage? How does lending work? How does credit work? And then you get into the more nuanced part of financial literacy, which comes to wealth management or investing in the stock market. And how how does that part of the economy work? Um, And I think before you even move into that portion, just the bare basics of managing finance, the practical application right. of what, what it means to be responsible, to be a good steward over what your resources are, how much ever your resources are, to actually be a good steward and manager of what you have. I think that's a huge thing that is lacking Um not only in the educational system, but within you know our families and the transparency of that. You know, I've been fortunate in my life economically and been able to handle money correctly. But really, and I, I say this to myself personally, I remember I was uh, mentored by a gentleman and he was just telling me, Sean, just put $50 a month. And that's all about, I say about 24 years old at the time. Yeah. And so it really is true. If you if you start early in life, start very early, you can mm-hmm. put a get, put the put aside small amounts yeah. that would benefit you long term. If you're consistent with those small amount deposits, whether it's a hundred dollars a month or fifty dollars a month, versus trying to catch up in your forties and fifties. Talk about right. that that algorithm of just you know of the dollar cost the, averaging compounding, mm-hmm. right? Of how of how um, just a small contribution. Uh, once it compounds over time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that many don't realize. Yes, there are, are people that have large inheritances mm-hmm. or they receive a trust fund. Mm-hmm. But for the average American, it really just boils down to time and work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and discipline right. and consistency. Mm-hmm. And doing having that discipline and consistency over time, right? Like you said such a small amount, fifty dollars. If you were to start that for a child, or even you know how Cory Booker is proposed the baby bond, where every child born receives a thousand dollars at birth, and by the time they're eighteen, it should compound into about fifty thousand dollars or so. Mm-hmm. Which you know, at eighteen years old, if you have that access to that type of uh, capital, what can you do? You can go put a down payment on a home. Mm-hmm. You know, the path to home ownership we know is a huge component of generating generational wealth, Mm -hmm, you know, which mm -hmm. so many in in our community do not have access to. So just starting with such a small amount and allowing that amount to compound over time. I'm not saying being an investor or a a guru when it comes to being the greatest, latest stock picker. It's it's more so about the longevity and your time horizon and the ability to withstand certain market cycles. And eventually you will benefit from those gains. Of course, there will be ups and downs. Absolutely, you know, over that you time can't, period. And you, when it's down, you but can't the longer run. Longer time horizon you give yourself, you mm-hmm. you have the ability to 
to, to capitalize on those gains. Because we're talking about the cultivation of wealth. You know, exactly. that's the whole process, because like I said, you know, I look back at my life and I went, man, I shouldn't have pulled out then. I, I can tell you, I owned uh, Intel stock at one time. Uh -huh. I owned a uh, Home Depot stock. I owned Apple stock. I owned all that, you know, but I was I was one of those guys who danced, danced. Oh, that's yeah. that's moving fast. And I just didn't sit there. I I, I remember, uh, uh, you know, Berkshire stock was twelve hundred dollars. I could have mm -hmm. that was like 15 years ago mm -hmm. and I could have mm -hmm. gotten in. But I went, that's not too high. I'm about right. twenty dollars. Kmart stock, you know, right. and so really it's about knowledge and information. And that's when it gets into, you know, cultivating wealth with information and knowledge. That's what this exactly. is all about. Exactly. And then also, I think uh, you you shouldn't ha have the pressure to put, you shouldn't put that pressure on yourself. You know, <laughs> there are professionals. <laughs> that this, I'm telling you, I was, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, don't trust nobody but myself. Well, Okay. Yeah. But you. And but so you, that's what you say is thing, that's but, cultural, right? Right. Right. Because we have to. We know we 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 have a problem with the vaccine right now because it's cultural. Exactly. And so so you're saying from a, for Rashawn, stop burdening yourself. Create a relationship with an expert, yes. and that's who you are. You are an expert. Talk about yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So you know that is one thing. I think you know there there's there's so many different paths to lessening this wealth gap, you know, mm -hmm. between black mm -hmm. and white. And I hate to make it about black and white, but really mm -hmm. that's what it really is about, mm -hmm. you know, a huge part in this country. Um, but of course there's policy and then there's, there's reform that mm -hmm. can help close that gap. And there's also cultural things that we can do as a community. And one thing that we are not, we're not, we're not really transparent when it comes to finance. Right. You know, within our within our families, you know, amongst our friends, even amongst professionals, there's there's always some wall or some barrier or something that you don't want to fully disclose. But oftentimes it stifles us, you know, right. because mm -hmm. we don't share the information. You know, we're not transparent about what we know and what we don't know. And it, it can be a hindrance or serves as an obstacle to really, really achieving because we we're, we're not transparent about what our needs are or what we have or what we like to achieve. You right. know, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the trust factor is huge within our, our community. So there are cultural barriers to the wealth disparity as well. So with that being said, you know, trust factor, knowledge, financial mm -hmm. literacy, what really is stunting our ability to achieve wealth in the black community? What really, if you had to put your finger on it, what is really stopping us? You know, I, I, I it's such a dynamic and wicked problem, so to speak, quote unquote, because if you look at it systemically, you know, over time, there have been obstacles or barriers that have been put in place for us to not be able to partake in certain uh, societal gains that basically enhance the black middle class. Like if you look at the beginning from the 1800s, when Freedman savings and loans collapsed, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. that is what started our mistrust in the banking system mm -hmm. when that collapsed. Mm -hmm. And then in the late 1800s, insurance companies had like explicit discrimination when it came to policies. So any blacks that own an insurance policy, our policies were only worth one third of what a white policy, white person's or white Americans policy was worth. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the 1900s, we know Black Wall Street, mm -hmm. you know, in Tulsa mm -hmm. and the destruction of that. And then in the 30s, there's redlining. And then you go into the disparities or dis with Social Security and how black domestic workers and farm workers weren't able to qualify for Social Security. And then you get into uh, World War Two when black veterans could not like explicitly take part in the GI Bill. So like there's been systemic 
things over time or over hundreds of years that have perpetuated this divide, you know, mm-hmm. and then not to mention with all of that happening, home ownership, like I said in the beginning of the conversation, is one of the major paths to wealth preservation, um, intergenerational wealth transfer across our entire nation. So I think maybe in the beginning of 2019, over 70% of white Americans owned a home while Mm -hmm. less than 40% of black Americans owned their actual home. So homeownership um, in eradicating sort of those type of policies that have prevented us from Mm -hmm. being able to be on a consistent path to home ownership, I think is one of the hugest or most pervasive problems as far as intergenerational wealth transfer, not to mention income inequality and then the educational disparities. And then the um, pandemic uh, really damaged us even more because it caused roughly 46% of the black owned businesses to close and prevent them from reopening. So, which means that when you go to a bank, they're gonna look at you like, hmm, when they had the PPP out there, we were the last to get it or didn't get it at all. Exactly. So in the end, it's about race and overcoming race. And I always tell people, you overcome racism by creating relationships, mm-hmm. by going to a bank instead of just cashing your check, sit down with the loan officer, build exactly. trust. Because people can people can give you some things and tell you, advise you how you can slowly grow into a loan building relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're going to go in there and get your $100,000 off the top, right, right, but you right, go in there right. and maybe get ten. Pay back that 10, then that becomes right. 20. And I think that people need to understand that growth happens over a, over a period of time. Of time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it takes time. It takes time to cultivate relationships. It takes time to show um, your ability uh, and, and your buy-in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Your buy-in to the situation, your buy-in to progress. All of that takes time and, mm-hmm. and cultivation and intentional cultivation. Well, you know something, Andrea, I, I want to appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you, I could actually talk to you for uh, another 30 minutes because I know, <laughs> you know really, because, you know, you, you know, because, you know, as much success as I claim to have, I'm learning. And that's important. And mm-hmm. also, I'm, I'm willing to reveal my mistakes. And I think that's, exactly. a, that's a gift that you have to be able to allow me to sit up here and comfortably lay my head on the couch with Sean. Where did you make the mistakes? Well, uh-huh. when I was 24, I should have listened to Paul when he told me to deliver $50 a month. Right, and, right, and then, right. Then right. I and I, I think, you know. At 32, it, it, I kind of listened. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and, and so many of us have that history within our family. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I'm in this industry, but a huge part of my success or, you know, progression is being transparent about what you were taught. And you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and what lessons you've learned along the way, the mistakes that you've made, mm-hmm. the things that have been passed down, mindsets when it comes to money and finance within my own family, you know, and addressing that type of um, those type of conflicts. So and then moving past it. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations, Andrea L. Collins. What does the L stand for, L? LaShawn. LaShawn. Okay. Uh Sounds like a Southern name right there. LaShawn right there. But no problem. (laughs) Berkeley grad, do your thing. Uh, Please come back on Money Making Conversations. Okay. Thank you. Most definitely. Okay. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversations, subscribe to Money Making Conversations YouTube channel or to my podcast. Also, I'm syndicated. Again, go to moneymakingconversations.com if you want to hear the interview as well. My name is LaShawn McDonald. I'm your host.